Well, what I'm planning on teaching on Thursday night is trying to creep in here this morning. But I need to touch on it for a moment because we've been talking about how you were deployed here on purpose. Not a hundred years ago, but now. And you're here today because God wants you to hear this message. And when you hear this message, remember that it's not Gary's word, it's God's word. And it's because some of it, like some of what I'm going to teach today, almost sounds like almost sounds like blasphemy. But it's the word of God. I mean, Jesus said, what Jesus said is who you are. What religion tries to keep you down with is a different thing altogether. But even like, you know, there's things that we need to be aware of today. Like in Colossians chapter 3, it says there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. And as believers, we need to watch out this. We need to watch out this. Satan is trying to cause division and strife everywhere. And, and we're colorblind. We're not getting caught up in any of that, any of that, any of that, any of that. Not going to cause, nobody's going to cause us to hate because of, the, of what a few people do one way or the other. Not going to hate anybody because love never fails. Hallelujah. But now, to, to, what I just want to, before we get into Romans um, chapter 3, before we get into talking about the glory, because we've seen the power of God, and the power of God is awesome, but the power of God is not what we're, the power of God is just a part of the glory of God. And it's the glory of God that is what we need in this hour. And we, and we cannot manufacture it. We cannot make it happen. We, we just need to fall into it. And that's the thing about the world today is the problems are too big for any government to fix it. I mean, you know, a civil war wouldn't, wouldn't change anything, you know, because, because it's, it's evil and good. And the church, the church, this is the hour. This is the hour of the church. I'm going to show you a video, at the, a little video clip at the end of this service. Don't let me forget. It's about in eight minutes from Kenneth E. Hagin. Now, I think Kenneth Hagin died in 2003 at, at age 86 with a, a, just a powerful ministry. But this was early on. This could have been in the 50s or the early 60s when he, when he, when he prophesied this, what he saw in America. And what he saw in America is what we're seeing in America right now. And for the first five or six minutes of this eight-minute clip, you're going to get depressed. Until you find out what God's about to do. Come on. The devil. No, no, I, saw, I was watching this commercial on, on TV one night about some new TV program, some omen or something that it's called. And it's got this big, ugly devil with horns and on fire and everything like that. And I'm thinking, that's who he wishes he was. A defeated foe. On his best day, Hebrews 2.10 says that he, no, Hebrews 1, I think, verse 14 or somewhere in there, that he was sent to be a, 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 a minister to the heirs of salvation. That's what angels, they were sent to be ministers unto the heirs of salvation. So on his best day, in, in, in people's minds, he's equal with God. No, he's a fallen angel. You know, if, if, I think it was Pastor Paul quoted this verse in, First uh, John 3 and verse 8, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested to what? To destroy the works of the evil one. Destroyed. So all, the, all he's got to work with now is your imagination. All he's got to do with now is operate in the physical realm and put some symptoms on you and cause some trouble in your natural life. And if you don't know how to step over in the spirit, he'll deceive you. But that's, what, but that's all he's got, deception. That's all he had in the Garden of Eden was deception until Adam committed high treason and bowed his knee to him. So nothing to be afraid of. Matter of fact, Romans 16 and verse 22, is it? And the very God of peace were bruised Satan where? Under your feet, shortly. So if it was shortly when Paul wrote it, I, I, I got the feeling. Hallelujah. 
Does he manifest? Yes, yesterday was a crazy day for me. Thursday night after service, we came home and, and there was water all over the floor because the, the heat pump reversed somehow. But those are just, those are things to try and get you out of the spirit and into the natural and to frustrate you. And all you got to do is what my wife does too much. Uh-huh. <laughs> There she goes. Okay. But now, just, just for a moment, before we get going where we're going, can I get you to go to Hebrews 2 and verse 10 again? Because 2.10 is all about restoration. We found out after we bought the house that we're living in down in middle Muscadabit that three generations ago it was a church man's. Right. And we didn't know that when we bought it. We found out later and that there had been a church across the street and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, God said, I'm restoring back to the kingdom of God the things that were taken from the kingdom of God. And I'm, that was just the first fruit. So, so be expecting that, you know, the, because the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. Because he's not coming to be me up, Scotty, to rescue you out of this mess. No, he's left you here with a message in Romans 8, 19. My Bible says that all creation is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. Matter of fact, when I read the Lord's prayer, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, you, you know, if you've been waiting on the rapture of the church to get out of here, you can unpack your bags because the work isn't even half done rescue you while you're living in fear. I don't think so. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. There's churches in these cities that aren't even opened up yet because they're still afraid. What has happened in the body of Christ? The people that are supposed to take the lead and take charge in times like this. Anyway, that's my rant for this morning. Okay. 210. Let's read verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Verse 10. For it became him, for whom all things, and by, all, by him are all things are made, to bring many sons back unto glory. To make... And to make the captain of our salvation or the author of our salvation perfect or telos, it means to be finished or perfected through the things that he suffered. And so what did he, so he suffered hardship. How many of you know he, he, he had some hard, he, he didn't suffer sickness or disease, but you know, one time everybody that, that he ministered to walked away from him. He, he had been through something. Not only that, my Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 that he was uh, earlier, that he was tempted in all points like as we are, and yet without sin. So he knows what it's like to be tempted with, with the things that you're dealing with. And because he knows that, he knows how to rescue you. But now let's just go over to chapter 5 read a couple more verses. Chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And I was reading that the other day, and I'm thinking... That's how I learned, too. <laughs> no, how many of you got saved when everything was going well in your life? Huh? No, you came crying into God when things were bad. And then when things get good, you kind of just kind of float along until things get bad again. And then you grow a little bit more. When things are going really well, you know, you, you, know, you just la, 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 la. We had a couple hundred people in the church. My son was doing praise and worship. My nephew was leading, doing praise and worship. We had, we had people coming into that hotel, and the power go was moving. Everything was fine, and we were just floating along. We were looking at other people and thinking, what's wrong with them? <laughs> and then we learned obedience by some of the things that we, that we suffered. Verse 9, and being made, look at this, being made perfect. This is what I want to point out to you about Jesus, the man, and I, I said this last week. He was, he was innocent, but he wasn't perfect. He was innocent in that he had the virgin birth, but he was born in a woman. And even when he was 12 years old, you know, he totally disobeyed his parents. He was gone for three days while they were on their way. You know, my Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that you're to honor your father and your mother. 
And so we can, what are you saying, that he sinned? No, I'm saying he was innocent because, he was, because of the virgin birth and the way that he lived. But he, had, but he had to, just like Adam was innocent, but Adam was not perfect. Adam had to pass the obedience test in the Garden of Eden, and he failed it. Matter of fact, that's why Jesus, he was led off into, matter of fact, one, one of the Gospels, maybe it's Mark, or, said he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil 40 days. It, 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 when you've been driven, it, it doesn't mean that it was your good idea, right? And he had to be tempted the same way that Satan was. He offered him power. He offered him turn these stones into bread. He, you know, he, he appealed to the flesh on all points, the mind. You know, as a matter of fact, he said, if you'll bow, to me down, bow down to me right now, I'll give you the kingdoms of this world because they, they belong to me. And uh, you won't even have to go to the cross. You know, so in other words, if you just compromise, turn to somebody and say, don't ever compromise. Well, verse 9, it says, and he, be and he being made perfect by the things that he suffered. He became perfect, and that, that's why he became the author of eternal salvation to those that would obey him. So he, 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 he had to go through the process, and, and so do you and I. We're already completing him. Come on, we know Colossians uh, 2, 9, 10. You know, we're completing him as the head of all principality and power. We understand that. We're already seated in heavenly places in Christ. But yet when you read past that verse and you get down to verse 10, he says and he's going to tell you that you need to start walking. Matter of fact, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 tell you your position in Christ. And when you get to chapter 4, it says, okay, now it's time to walk it out. <laughs> Even though, no, because see, in the spirit realm, everything is already complete. You are complete. You're a new, everything is complete. Your spirit man is complete in him. It's all, but now it's the process of walking it out. Working it out. Work out your own salvation. Come on. He talked about that in Philippians chapter 2. He said, God thought, Jesus thought it not rather to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Took on the form of a man being found in the fashion of a man. He humbled himself to the death of the cross. Then when you get down to verse 12, it starts talking about you. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean that you're afraid. It means that you've got some reverence and you've got some anticipation uh, that God's doing a work in your life. Because then verse 13 tells you that he's going to do it anyway. This is the cool thing about this. My part is faith. That's my action. Believing and acting like God's word is true. And letting him do the hard part. I love that song that we say, like, you know, the battle is the Lord's. You couldn't win it. You didn't have to. He already won it. The victory's already ours. Be steadfast, all unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Whatever you're doing in the kingdom, it's not in vain. It might look like it, might feel like it sometimes, but everything that you're doing is, is promoting the kingdom of God. Everything that you're doing, you're, you're working out your destiny. Dale Wallace's testimony, if there's that, you need to get, you need to hear that. You know, I'm, I'm listening to a, a little woman who was in danger for her life and would go to bed on the coach every night fully dressed, knowing that somebody upstairs was going to try and kill her. And when he came down in the middle of the night, she'd go for a walk for an hour, knowing that he'd be asleep, come back and go to bed again. And the police said, you need to get out of here. Your life is in danger. She said, no, it's not. I trust God. And when I heard that, I thought, I know pastors that haven't even opened up their churches yet. And I got a little woman in the congregation Hallelujah. My, oh my. Getting back on that again, are you? No, I'm not. I just, just came up. It just came up. Okay, so we've been talking about the glory of God, and, but we just need to go back to Genesis 31 for a moment and, and, and remind you what the glory is. Because in Hebrew language, the law of first reference, if you find kabod or the glory mentioned in 31, the root of that's going to be found all through the Word of God, so, right? So, so again, this is the story of uh, Jacob receiving the double portion that he waited 20 years to get. I don't know how long you've been waiting for yours. 
but hang in there. <laughs> Come on. He, he was the firstborn, but he took the curse so that you could take the blessing of the firstborn. You understand that, right? You understand that when, 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 when uh, they were praying over Ephraim and Manasseh, Jacob switched hands. And, and, and Joseph tried to say, no, no, you're making a mistake. He said, no, no. He did it wittingly because the, the, the blessing of the firstborn it was, was put on Calvary. He took the curse so that the blessing of the firstborn would come upon you. <laughs> he thinks a lot of you, a lot more than you think of you. He thinks a lot more of you than you do. He thinks a lot more of you than you do. And he heard the words, verse 31, he heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's and all that which our father's was, he's gotten all the glory. So what is glory? It's the word kabod, and it's the essence of his being. It's all that he is, all that he has. It's the full weight of him. It's his substance. And so when God says he's restoring you back to glory, back to what Adam lost, and again, we talked about this when Adam committed high treason in the garden, a veil went up. And angels were there, just like they're in the Holy of Holies to this, to this day. The angels came to guard him from going back into the Holy of Holies. Because if he had gone into the Holy of Holies, he'd have died. Because my Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, the last verse, that our God is a consuming fire. And if, you, if, you, if you're not right with him and you come in contact with him, you're going to die. And then when you read through your Bible, when you read past Genesis 30, when, once you get to Genesis chapter 12 and you read on and you say, and it says, and the Lord killed him and the Lord did this and the Lord did that and the Lord judged Nabal and the Lord wiped out Nabal and killed him within 10 days and all that. You got to know that that's not what happened. You got to understand Genesis chapter 12, one, two, and three. He said, I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. Or, or in other words, and the, the curse means to be lightly esteemed like you wipe steam off the mirror to see yourself. What he's saying is he set the blessing and the curse in place, and it wasn't God that killed them. They killed themselves. God, God is not a killer. But if you get crossways with the word, it's a two-edged sword. Hebrews 12, you know, 12, Hebrews 4.12 rather says that it's a two-edged sword. You know, it'll cut either way you swing it. You know, and it's a burden removing yoke destroying power. So if you become a burden, no, no, it's burden removing yoke destroying. So people get crossways with the anointing and they get taken out. You can look at history right up to this day. People that have cursed Israel, look what has happened to them. You know, Egypt was the most powerful nation in the world. Look at it today. You know, a flea trap. Although there's some good things coming up in Egypt because God's going to do some restoration there, but that's a whole other topic. So, so everything, all of his substance. And so when God says, you know, it, when he's going to give you his glory, when he's going to restore you back to glory, it's everything that he is, everything that he has, everything that he can do is yours. That's why he would write Ephesians 1.3. I've already blessed you. With all of the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ, all you need to do is step over here and get it. And the exchange rate in heaven is great. The exchange is faith. You can get, matter of fact, I think it's a Mary 9.23. He said, all things are possible to him that believeth. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe and you receive them, they shall be delivered unto you. What a, what a promise. And so why are we living like mere men? Paul the Apostle was amazed. He said, why are you living the way you're living? There's so much more. But now one more verse in the Old Testament, Habakkuk 2, 14. Habakkuk 2, that's the three or four pages that are stuck together. No, we were here a couple of times, so they might be unstuck. Now, unstuck, is that a word? So chapter 2 and verse 14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This knowledge is discernment. It's not just seeing or, or recognizing something from afar. It's a deep awareness 
in the heart as well as in manifestations. And, and we're, we're decreeing here that the glory of God is already here. Why would you say that? Because Christ in you, the hope of glory, that he's restored you back to glory. But when you get a matter of fact, in, in John 11, verse 40, Jesus said this to Martha before he raised Lazarus from the dead, which was part of the glory, the power and the glory. He said, Martha, I told you before, if you would believe, if you would just believe, you would see the glory of God in the world. It's seeing is believing, but not in the kingdom. You start believing, you'll start seeing what God already has provided for you because Adam, Adam, when you study Genesis chapter 2 and 3, you find out that he lived in heaven and on earth and he could go back and forth at will. Then I found out in Ephesians 2 and verse 6 that so can I. That I can step out of the natural realm and step over into the realm of the spirit. And my Bible says that the spirit realm is more real than what I can see. So why am I wasting so much time in the natural with all of the distractions and all of the deceit and the lying and the cheating and all of this, right? Don't need to live there. No. So again, this knowledge is discernment. And this is why all of creation is not waiting for some politician to come. Well, the Antichrist is going to come and solve some problems, but he's going to create more than he solves. If you study his life in the book of Daniel, you'll find out that he's a pretty shaky guy at the best. <laughs> no, no, like, you know, when you're the master of confusion, everybody, got, everybody you're leading is confused too. <laughs> That's why there's so many different motorcycle gangs hanging around. There's a lot of confusion in, the, in, that, in that world of darkness, right? That's why there's so many street gangs in Toronto and places like that. There's so much confusion, but the light is coming in. Boom. I remember when we rode... Tribe of Judah, we were at uh, the Lone Star Rally in Texas and uh, down on the Strand, just the main drag. And there was hundreds of thousands of people there. And like some of them were naked in the middle of, you know, I mean, you know, spray painted, but naked. I mean, it was like, I'm just trying to give you a picture of the world out there trying to find something exciting to do. And, uh, and so, but when we came rolling in, there was a couple of hundred Tribe of Judah guys. We came rolling in, in first gear. And went slowly up that, I don't know how long it took us to go up the street, but silence came over the place. And there's that big cross and Jesus is Lord on the back of it. And I'm telling you, it wrecked Satan's party. Totally wrecked it, totally destroyed it. It was awesome. And they, they saw what they, they saw a, a patch that we earned in the tribe of Judah. You've got glory that's going to be seen the same way. You'll walk into a place and the whole atmosphere will change because you are there. But, you know, if you believe, you'll see the glory. If you believe that, you come on, you got the world changer living up on the inside of you. Let's go to, let's go to Romans chapter 3, please. And when we brought up the strand, we didn't go there to condemn them either. <laughs> we went up there to show them there's a better way of living. <laughs> You're not going to find it in drugs or alcohol or sex or rock and roll. It's not there. <laughs> I can tell you for sure because I was there and it wasn't there. People say, why don't you give you a testimony? I said, I'd rather not. <laughs> there wasn't any glory in it at all. Verse 20 of Romans chapter 3, I mean, this is, this. you could teach Romans forever. But verse 20 says this, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, shall no flesh be justified in his sight. So that means i got to stop trying. Turn to somebody and say, you need to stop trying. You're wearing yourself out, trying to be a better person. And we're here to tell you it hasn't worked. No, no, don't, don't, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Aren't you glad it's not based on your performance? Let's read on and we'll, we'll see that. Verse 21. But now, when is now? Whenever you say it, it brings it up to date. Now. Now. 
Now, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Look at this, verse 22. 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is what? How? How? By faith of Jesus Christ, not faith in how good you look on a Sunday. It says, unto all, but upon all that believe. You see that? This, this offer was for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But not everybody's going to get it. It was offered to all. Many are called, but few are choos- chosen. Few make the choice. A few will make the choice. It's not that he's trying to reject anybody. We can see this right here. It, upon, it says, on, unto all, and upon all those that, what, what's the condition here? I just have to believe it. I just have to believe it. What am I supposed to do? I'm just telling you right now. Believe, believe, believe that you're an heir of God. Believe that you're a joint heir with Jesus. Believe that you're special, that you're a new species on the earth, something that's never been seen before. You're better than Adam. Adam didn't have Christ in him. You're up higher than he was. Hallelujah. And think about it. An unsaved man, Peter, walked on the water just as a human with a birthright. That's all he had. He didn't, wasn't born again. He had a birthright, and he had dominion over the elements because it was given to him back in Genesis chapter 1. And so Jesus said, well, come on, and he went. Everybody says he began to sink. Yeah, but the other guys never even got out of the boat. Somebody had the guts to get out and say, I'm going to step out on the word of God in the middle of a storm. I tried it in my bathtub with perfect calm, and it wouldn't work. Matter of fact, for a while there, I was trying it regularly. I don't have a bathtub anymore. <laughs> well, if it never worked once, if it never worked once, I'd run across your pool. Hallelujah. <laughs> I said, if I could just get it to work once, God, just get it to work once. Hallelujah. Things you do when nobody's watching. Okay. Now, verse 23, for all have sinned. Okay. And falling short of the glory of God. I'm so glad we I'm so glad we got the next verse. Being justified. And again, I like to point out it's the word Doreen. If your name is Doreen, you've got a good name. Doreen means without cause, without condition. You have been justified without cause, without condition, by his grace and through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so, in other words, Verse 23 says you fell short of it. Verse 24 says that you're back in the environment of God's glory. So what we're needing to see a manifestation of God's glory is already in us. It's already there. But in order to get expressions of that, we've got to get out of our heads because you cannot believe God with your head. My Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that my, my carnal mind is that an enmity or hostile to the things of God. My carnal mind will not believe that a whale ate Jonah and barfed him out on the beach. It's such a ridiculous story. But when I step over in the spirit, I can see a tadpole slapping a whale. I can see a three-bedroom apartment inside a big fish with Jonah and it's sailing off the, you know, you think about him, he was going in the exact opposite direction. He was going to Tarsus when he was called to go to Nineveh. And, and God turned the whole thing around. And he said uh, he could hear Jonah praying down inside the fish. And, 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 and Jonah said, you know what? <laughs> Nineveh sounds like a pretty good idea this, this morning. <laughs> but, I, but, but I read that and I'm thinking, God, you're the God of a second chance. You're the God of a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. You just have to just keep getting up and enjoying God. Every day rejoicing, rejoicing, celebrating him. You don't even need a grocery list. You just say, thank I just want to, I just want to spend some time with you today. I just want to praise you today. I want to abide with you today. I want to walk in the same footsteps you're walking in. I just want to be 
I, I want to be, Lord, Holy Spirit, please be my best friend. Holy Spirit, help me to be your best friend. Let's, let's spend some time together. I've got all of these distractions, and I'm shutting them down for a little while so that we can just, or you can talk, and I'll just sit and listen or whatever happens. But making time for him, right? So let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 for our next little stop over here. I like the whole chapter, but verse uh, 18 says, We are not come unto the mountain that might not be touched, that burned with fire unto blackness and darkness and tempest. That hill is still charred over the, to this day. But God, came, but see, our God came in contact with the earth that was lost in sin, and there was an impact. Verse 19, and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of his words, which voice they heard it, when they heard it, they entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. They heard God speak and they said, please, Moses, tell them we don't want to hear from them anymore. And we get to cry, Abba, Father. We get to call him Papa God. Because of the new covenant, because of what Jesus did to pay the price, the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus. How he felt about sin is obvious. Look at Calvary. He didn't change his mind about sin. He's just got you. He's, he's, you've been totally, you're in total remission. Total. Verse 20 says, They could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it would be stoned or thrust through the dark. So terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. I think sometimes we, you know, we get a little bit flippant with God when we get on a personal level and forget, hey, he's the creator of the universe. And, and, you know, we've been told for the past few years, don't preach repentance anymore. But the very first words out of Jesus' mouth when he started his ministry was, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And, but we had this ugly idea about repentance. Really what he was saying is, hey, change your attitude, change your actions for an invasion from the spirit realm is imminent. And I could say that today. Change your attitude, which will change your actions for an invasion from the spirit realm is imminent. It's imminent today. It's never been more imminent than it is right now. An invasion from the spirit realm. Hallelujah. Anyway, read on here. Terrible was the sight. But verse 22 says, but you, so now everything's changed for us. But you have come on to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Now it says you've already come. The heavenly Jerusalem, you already have access to. The holy of holies that the high priest could only go into once a year, twice, and pour the blood on the mercy seat. My, my Bible says in Hebrews 4.16 that I can come boldly unto the throne room of grace to attain mercy and to find grace and to help in the time of need. I, the high priest couldn't only go in there once a year and he had a protege in case, it, in case he wasn't clean enough to get it done. I can come walking in there when I get out of bed in the morning. But I found this out too, though. I can enter his courts with thanksgiving. Into his, and, and, no, come with thanksgiving in my heart and into his courts with praise, and that there's still a protocol for approaching the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so I'm not going to come in as a whiny baby. I used to. None of you ever did, but I, I used to. I used to cry a little bit thinking he would feel sorry for me and give me what I needed. I didn't know that he had already done all that. <laughs> if I could just cry enough, he could see me crying. Surely things would change. No, Gary said, the only thing that's going to change here is you. <laughs> I am the Lord and I don't change. <laughs> I have a way of doing things and I can't break the way I do things to satisfy you. Because if I ever broke one of my, one of my conditions, the universe would fly apart. I'd lose my, I mean, what, what makes him God? So, so, okay, so we're back in, back in Hebrews 12, 22. We come on to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, 
the heavenly Jerusalem and to look to an innumerable company of angels. Do you know what that means? That means that in a room of this size, if you've got 100 people in here, if everyone just has one angel, the congregation just doubled. And some of you have got five or six. And they've been very busy. <laughs> some of them are a little bit tattered. <laughs> and then there's other ones that haven't done anything. So that's good, too, I guess. I know. But look at this, I wonder, to the assembly, to the general, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to, look at this, and to all of the spirits of just men made perfect. Made perfect. Who's that? That's you. We're not talking about somebody else here. That's you. You were made perfect. Okay, we'll read. We'll finish this chapter now. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of better things than that of Abel. Why? Because Abel's blood cried out from the ground, calling judge, judgment, judgment on Cain. But the blood of Christ calls for mercy. <laughs> mercy, mercy. See that you refuse not him that speaks for. If he escaped not who refused him that spoke on the earth. Much more they, shall they not escape if they turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, and this is Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of the things that are shaken, so that the things that are made, so that the things which cannot be shaken shall remain. Wherefore, we received a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we must serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear because our God is a consuming fire. And again, Exodus 20, 20 tells you it's not the kind of fear that makes you afraid. It's reverence. It's kind of like, you know, I want to please you because you love me so much. I want to please you because you do so much for me. I want to please you because I get to live in this nation called Canada. And we can still preach the gospel, and we can still come and hear the gospel. Yeah, I know that they're trying to take away our rights and our privileges, but God has another plan. He said, the knowledge of my glory will cover the earth. There's a better plan coming in place right now. So now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Again, these are verses that you know, but we're talking about the glory of God. We're not just talking about the power of God. We're talking about the glory of God. You see the power of God move in the service and people get healed and, and miracles and signs and wonders, and that's a wonderful thing. But the glory is a sustaining thing. When you realize that you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son, when you recognize that you've been transferred from one place to another, then you can start to live in the place that you've been transferred to. Delivered out of the authority of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have for redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. So we have been translated out of the natural realm over into the spirit realm. All we need to do is show up. The devil will try to keep you down in the natural because he can slap you around, beat you around down there. You don't have to live there. You don't have to live there. Seated in a heavenly place makes you a royal priesthood and a chosen generation to show forth the praises of him. Called you out of the darkness and into the light, into the glorious, glorious. He's talking about the glory here, in living in the glorious light. Not moved by circumstances, not moved by what you feel or see. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 16. 15 is good. Even to this day, when Moses is read, or the law is read, there's a veil upon the hearts of the Hebrew people. But see, the veil that was put across Adam to keep him out of that place now is over the Hebrew people, and it was over us until we got born again. But really, the temple veil was rent when Jesus died on the cross. The, the temple veil was rent from top to bottom. In other words, he said, free access, boldly coming in, not, not only him boldly, not us boldly coming in, but him coming out. 
So nevertheless, it shall never, let's see, because of verse 16, nevertheless, if they'll turn unto the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. No, no, but, you know, I'm sure you've said this expression. It just dawned on me. Right? It's just, you know, like when I got born again in the drug dependency center, it was like somebody turned on a light. I saw everything differently. And and I thought, wow, this born again is really cool until I found out that I still had a mind that needed to be fixed. <laughs> the spirit man was brand new. The mind was a struggle. I remember after I got off alcohol and drugs, one day I was walking down the road and down a sidewalk in downtown Dartmouth and there was a guy walking up the street drinking a beer. And I'm looking at him thinking, look at you, you stupid, you know. And I heard the Lord say, Hey, you drunken bum, do you remember where I found you? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. You better not go judging anybody else, especially just yet. <laughs> Been saved a few months, right? Now you're going to help everybody and tell everybody what they need to do. Bless God. Okay, so nevertheless, when they turn to the Lord, the veil will be taken away. Verse 17, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When the spirit of God is working in you, total liberty and total freedom. Like, it's like you can be delivered out of darkness. You can, deliverance is one thing, but freedom is another. Deliverance is one thing, but freedom is another. We watched that in South Africa. They were delivered from apartheid, but they, they, but they didn't get the next step. They didn't get free because they didn't, they didn't think free. See, that's why the Bible says when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. The more truth you know, the freer you become. So, there, you know, so, you know, uh, you know, what happened in South Africa was, it was so awesome on the one hand and, and then kind of tragic on the other hand to think that, you know, that, that, that so, uh, such a price was paid and, and they never got to the next level. Well, praise God they will. Okay. So, so, but look at this, but we all, verse 18, with an open face, in other words, there's no veil over us, beholding as in the mirror, the glory of God, and see, as you begin to look at it, as you begin to look at it, you begin to see it. As you begin to look at it and expect it, the change will begin to take place in you, right? We all with open hosts be, be holding in the glass the glory of God are changed. And again, that's the word metamorpho, where we, you know, it's a metamorphosis. We're being changed into somebody else. Like the caterpillar can become the butterfly. Like you can get up out of the dirt and, and go to another level. Change from glory to glory. From glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So, but again, everything, you know, so the goal is total transformation and everything that God does, he does from the heart. So it starts here and manifests out there. Religion is from the outside in. I don't drink and I don't do this and, I don't, and all the rules that you keep to make yourself look good. No, no, God, that's not how God works. God says, I'll put a beachhead in your heart. He said, I'm going to get you to Ephesians chapter three, where you become rooted and grounded in the fact that I love you. When you become rooted and grounded in how much I love you, then you'll be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the bread, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge so that you can be filled with the fullness of God. And then he says, I'm powerful to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. If you just let that power work within you, just let that power work within you, I'll exceed your expectations. Amen. So then just going to turn over to chapter 4. The whole chapter, but let's read verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the... Look, this is what we were praying in Habakkuk chapter, chapter 2, verse 14. Look. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, I, so but the, my point in this is you don't have to try to qualify. You've already qualified. Jesus qualified you for everything that he is, everything that he has, and everything that he can do. He's saying, when are you going to make a demand on heaven? When are you going to make a demand on the supply that I've already put there for you? Spirit, soul, and body, everything you'll ever need, everything you will ever want and desire, I've already placed it there for you. 
And you just need to pull it out of the spirit realm and into the natural realm. So again, glory, glory in, the, in the Greek is the word doxa. I don't know if I gave that to you before or not. But it's a similar, just similar word, you know, it's, it means the same thing, but just the Greek added a little bit to it. Majesty, excellence, power, honor, wealth, fullness, royalty, God's radiation that surrounds a person. Come on, you think that Peter walked down the street and people got healed by his shadow? No, they got within, a, they got within six feet <laughs> of him, and they didn't get a coronavirus. They got a Holy Ghost healing. Lest by the shadow of one of us might overshadow some of them. They came from a multitude of the cities around about Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those that were vexed with unclean spirits, and every one of them got healed. Why? Because, because people, they had a revelation. Peter said at the gate, beautiful, in chapter 3, I don't have any silver with me today. I just came back from another dumb fishing trip. Like I started my ministry, I went on a fishing trip that didn't work, and at the end of my ministry, when I thought Jesus was all finished, I went fishing again, and I caught nothing again. Because by works of the flesh, nothing really lasts. He said, silver and gold, I don't have any right now. But such as I have, I've got something that I can give to you. And hey, I'm the guy that just 50 days earlier denied Jesus at Calvary. So don't tell me that your sin is so great that you can't do anything for God. I don't have any silver or gold, but such as I have, give I unto you. And he grabbed him by the hands and said, rise up and walk. Woo. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, but he's in you. He's in you to do that. And I tell you, if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God. Amen. Well, what's the problem then? Well, the next verse. But we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. One translation says an old clay pot. Another one says a crack pot. So at your best, you're a crack pot. But remember the story of Gideon. Gideon, with 300 men, surrounded the Midianite army, and they, and they had fire in the pot. And they came up, and they hit the pot, and the fire was exposed, and the, army, the enemy army killed each other because the glory of God showed up. 300 men def 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 defeated thousands of people because the glory was on the inside. The glory was on the inside. The glory is on the inside of you. We have a treasure in an earthen vessel so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So he's not expecting you to do it. He's expecting you to yield to the one that's sitting up on the inside of you. This is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't even operate in the glory. You read John chapter 17, he said, God, please, Father, give me back the glory that I had with you before I came to earth. And then he says, and, and, and when you give it to me, I'm going to give it to them. You're a whole lot more than you think you are. You're a whole lot more than those voices in your head are telling you you are. You need know, to stop listening and start talking to those voices. You don't listen. You talk. You're a speaking spirit. You don't listen. You can listen to God, all right? You can listen to encouragement, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Start listening to those other voices. You need to say, shut up in the name of Jesus. Get thee behind me, Satan. Okay, so we have a treasure in an earthen vessel. And so then he's talking about my day yesterday. You're troubled on every side, yet does not distress, perplex, not despair. No, my day wasn't as bad as his. I have no idea. No, I don't even know anybody that's lived like this man has lived. I can't wait to meet him, okay? We are troubled on every side, distressed, perplexed, not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken. Matter of fact, he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, and he said, I thought I was losing my mind. <laughs> this is Paul the Apostle. <laughs> How many of you know that was a bad hair day, right? That was COVID hair, obviously, yeah. Yeah. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of the Lord Jesus might also be made manifest in our bodies. 
For we which live are already delivered unto death. The truth is, we were crucified with Christ. Like, and so, so I'm not ever going to die anymore. My body might fall over someday. I'm just going to, my spirit's just going to come out of my mouth. And I'm going to jump into a brand new body and say, yeah. Yeah. And then when I get there, I won't even be thinking about you. No, no, I try to tell people that when they've lost a level. Like I've got some friends in Newfoundland. They're still mourning over the death of the man that they served. I'm saying, you know what? He stopped thinking about you the day he hit heaven. You're here moaning and groaning over him. He stopped thinking about you. What do you mean? Is that cold? No, it's that good. <laughs> it's that good. You, you, you got other things to think about, right? You're not going back to old earth and thinking about who you left behind. If they know God, they're going to be catching up anyway. You just make a sign, welcome home for when they come. I tried to tell people, they took an earlier flight. If you're serving God, you're going to. So miss them like you miss them like they're down in Florida on a vacation. Don't miss them like, oh God, I'm never going to see them again. <sighs> no, but people who think like that, they don't really believe the Bible. If heaven's such a great place, why are you going to mourn the people that died and went there? Hallelujah. I'd be up beyond Alpha Centuri on a supernatural Harley Davidson today if I was in heaven. Yeehaw! How fast will this go? Twice, three times, four times the speed of light? Woo! Woo! You're just imagining things. Yes, I am. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Verse... Uh, yeah, so verse 13, he says, We have the same spirit of faith according as it's written. I have believed, therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and we also speak. Speak the desired result. Knowing that, the, knowing that the, the one that raised up Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundance of grace might be through thanksgiving of many rebounding unto the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Look at this, verse 17. We just read about being perplexed, all the bad stuff. Look at this. Look at this attitude. This light affliction. No, no, somebody hit you as hard as they could hit you. And you stand there and smile and say, is that all you got? Is that all you got? This light affliction, which is but for a moment. This light affliction, which is but for a moment. Light affliction for a moment. Is, look at this, it's working for us. No, the trouble is working for you. <laughs> Dead things are working for you. Because if they didn't happen, you'd become a lazy Christian and wouldn't do anything spiritual. <laughs> You'd all be at the beach on a Sunday. I think that's where my son is right now. I hope he's watching this later. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Cruelty. <laughs> Doesn't matter how many good things you do, you make one mistake around here and you're done. No, no. <laughs> and I try to tell people, we get a couple of months in the summertime here. And a couple of weeks of vacation. And if you get a chance to go to the beach on a Sunday... Don't. <laughs> but if you do, if you do, there's grace for that. <laughs> it's, but it's working for us. Look at this. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What it's doing is it's forcing me to move out of the natural realm and over into the realm of the spirit where I rule and reign with Christ. Because in the natural, the natural man gets beat up by the devil. But the spiritual man is untouchable. How do I get over into the realm of the spirit? He's going to tell you in the next verse. It's not a mysterious thing. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stop looking at what, I'm, what I can see. Because I'm to walk by faith and not by sight. So if the word says I'm more than a conqueror, 
and my circumstances look like they're winning, I step over into, oh, wait a minute, now I'm more than the conqueror through him who loved me. Somehow, Romans 8.28 is going to activate here. I've been called according to the Lord. I've been purposed by God. And so this thing that looked like it was harmful is going to work for my good. The things, they're, they're temporal, they're subject to change, but the things that cannot change are the eternal things, and I get to live over there. Again, Ephesians chapter 2, if you just take a look at it again for a moment. 2 and verse 16, no, 2 and verse 6. Verse 5. Even when we were dead, everybody say dead. Dead in sin, he quickened us, made us alive together by Christ with Christ, by grace we are saved, and he raised us up. He, he knew what he was doing. He chose you and he raised you up to sit with him. He said, why don't you just come take your seat? Why are you wrestling and fighting with things when you just come take your seat and let me work out all those things? I love that song, The Battles of the Lords. We sang it here today. We sang it. I hope you didn't sing it out of your head. I hope you get it in your heart and it starts coming out your heart. Because then it'll renew your mind the way you think about things that happen. So he raised us up together and made us, made us to sit together in the heavenlies in Christ. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved. And through faith, it's not of yourselves. It's a, you know how you receive a gift? You ever get a birthday gift? You just take it, you just take it, unless you're proud and you say, oh, no, you really shouldn't have done that. I just really take it. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Take it. Take it. Whatever it is God has provided for you, take it. Seize it. Okay, a couple more verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I got to get to the punchline here. Corinthians, mm. First uh, Corinthians, two and verse seven says, "But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto what? Unto our what? Our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because he now, if he can keep you from knowing that you got the glory, that's his job." The princes, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. But why? Because they didn't want you to find out that you've been glorified, that you've been put back. What, what Adam lost, you've got plus. But as it is written, now this verse they taught us in the Pentecostal church when I first started going there, but they never taught us the next verse. They, they taught us this verse. I hath not seen, brother, nor entered in the heart of a man the things that the Lord has prepared for those. One day I read the next verse. Do you ever read the next verse? But God has already revealed those things unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. So for what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him, even so no man knows the things by the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us, that we might know. So I'm going to have to educate myself, that I might know the things that are freely Freely, there's that word again, freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak not in the worlds of men's wisdom teaching, but by the Holy Ghost teaching, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things, because the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Like if you sit in a church and you see somebody running by, what is that all about? Or you see somebody followed in the Spirit, what is all that about? You see somebody laughing uncontrollably, what is all that about? And you start to judge it and get critical. That's the, your natural man. Your spirit man is going to say, oh, I wonder what that is. Is that available for me too? <laughs> the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. And you can't know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no man. For who, this next verse, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have. The mind of Christ. Can I have five more minutes? Five more. John chapter 10. When we get John chapter 10, when we get Psalm 82 verse 6, when we get it, 
everything will change. You know, some people touched on it. Like I was thinking about Alexander Dowie. He had such a big healing ministry all over the world. And he even started a city, Zion, Illinois, which is still here today. But he got too far out there and he began to think he was the reincarnation of John the Baptist. But, but before he got to that, if he had had some counsel around him, he was operating just like a son of God <laughs> because he believed he was. Did I say John chapter 10, right? Verse 20, Jesus is talking and the Pharisees and the scribes are there. He said, I and my father are one. You know what? You can say that about yourself today. I and the father are one. I'm one with my father. Not based on my performance, based on what he did. Then the Jews took up stones against him to stone him. Jesus answered and said, many good works have I shown you. From which, from which of these are you going to stone me for? The Jews answered and said, saying, for a good work we would not stone you, but for blasphemy, because that you, being a man, make yourself like God. Jesus answered and said unto them, Is it not written in your law, you are gods? If he called them gods who, with whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, he just, he just called you, he just called you gods. What do you mean? Romans 8, 14, if you're led by the spirit of God, you are a son of God. John chapter one, as many as received him, gave him the power to become children of God. So whether you're a child or a son, guess what? You're still gods. You're God's sons. You're God's family. Let's go to Psalm 82 and we'll, we'll try and close over there. No, this will be, this could be a closing. It's only a short psalm. It's got eight verses in it. Let's just read a few of them. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. He says, how long, how long are you going to let this go on? How long are you going to wait for some government to solve the problems in the earth? How long are you going to look to somebody else to fix the mess when the messenger is living on the inside of you? How long? How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. God created you as a change agent. Think about it. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They don't even know and they don't even understand. But you know and you understand. You have an assignment because you know and you understand. They walk in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. That describes the day you're living in right now. Because everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But look at this in verse 6. I have said you are gods, all of you, and children of the Most High. It says this in the Hebrew. It says, I have declared you, Amar, gods, you are. Elohim Atah. Sons of the Most High. Ben Elion, all of you a reflection of your father. So he's saying, I have declared you. I have declared you gods. Gods you are. Sons of the Most High. All of you a reflection of your father. Verse 7, he says, but you'll die like men and fall like princes if you don't get a hold of the revelation. If you don't get a hold of the fact that you are a son, a child of God, a son of God, whatever, how, how, whatever vernacular you want to use. I know it sounds like blasphemy, but I just didn't. There's not one word in there that Gary wrote. That's God saying this to you. Jesus said in it, it's not, well, it's the old covenant. No, Jesus talked about it in John 10, 34. He said, you, you, you're mad at me for being a son of God. And he made you that way too. Just because you haven't embraced it, you'll, you'll die like men. But the potential is there. See, see the, you, you have unlimited potential. It's not based on your education. It's not ba based on where you live, what color your skin is, what, what none, none, none of those things. It's not, you know, it's, it's not that kind of thing at all. It's not genetic. It's not psychology or psychic determinism. It's none of those things. It's knowing who you are in Christ. 
Have I not told you if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I am a priest and a king unto my God, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 says. And again, Peter 2.9, I'm a royal priesthood. Well, you are a royal. Stop there. You are a royal. Yeah, but I work at McDonald's. You are a royal. He wasn't talking about your occupation. He was talking about your seat in him. Paul the Apostle made tents. He was known as the tent maker because he got a revelation. 2 Corinthians 7.2, he said, Receive us, we've wronged no man. He had a pure conscience. He wrote about it in Hebrews chapter 10. I served God. As a matter of fact, in Timothy, 1 Timothy as well, he said, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4, he said, I serve my God with a pure conscience. Verse 12, he said, I'm not ashamed. He understood that Jesus took the shame. Jesus took his evil conscience. He said, my conscience has been sprinkled. Read Hebrews chapter 10, read it slow. Sprinkle, have your conscience sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Cleaned up. You've been cleaned up on the inside, and you're walking it out on the outside. You're going through the process. You're an heir of God. Come on, Romans 8, 15 says that you cry, we cry, Abba, Father. He said, I haven't given you the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The French Bible says, Papa God. Papa God, don't you like that? Papa. Then he says, you're an heir of God. Well, that's pretty good. When you understand that he says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And then he says a joint here with Jesus. And Jesus owns the whole universe. Past Alpha Venture. A liquid motorcycle. Fluid. Heavenly Davidson. The Lord thunders in the heavens. And I'm going to join them. <laughs> pipes. Big pipes. <laughs> I practice every time I go under an overpass. They say, aren't you a little old for that? No. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> Not even. My Bible says my, 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 my older man is getting older, but my other man is a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.